I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Coffee with Coaches presented by a Quick Timeout Podcast. Uh, new episodes of a Quick Timeout are released every Monday, and those can be found on all your major podcast platforms. And a big thanks to our sponsors at Dr. Dish Basketball. Their shooting machines are used by some of the top programs around the country. And right now, if you mention a quick timeout, you'll receive $300 off select models. So to find out more about those, visit drdishbasketball.com. Today, we are joined by former WNBA guard and current men's college basketball coach, Anisha Curry. Coach, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you. Excited to just uh, chat with you this morning, coach. My introduction for you was pretty underwhelming, but that was kind of by design. Uh, you, you've already had a lot of incredible experiences for someone your age. And so instead of me just going through the list, I figured I'd ask you this. Your best or favorite or most important basketball highlights to this point are what? Playing career is just basically the foundation that my AAU um, coaches uh, set here in California. Um, it was uh, rooted in uh, it didn't matter who you were uh, and how good you were. And I learned that at a young age, you know, do what's right, have integrity or, you know, you're not going to get a shot. And um, that stuck with me. So that is probably the biggest highlight. And that might be different for other people because, I, you know, most people are going to say points and all of that. But um, no, for me, it was the foundation of being a better person. And coaching, it, it would have to be, you know, um, my first game coaching with the University of Maine um, men's basketball program. That was uh, just an unbelievable rush and experience because that first game, um, I can just remember being a, a very emotional inside and holding it in um, as we all stood together um, for the national anthem. And I can just remember after the game, Coach Barron said, hey, you got your first win as a men's basketball coach. And, you know, it was just an awesome feeling for me. Yeah, before we go any further, for those that don't know, uh, Coach Eddie is the only women's, only woman currently serving as a full-time assistant coach at the NCAA Division One level. Well, I, I'm interested to hear, was that, was that always a goal to coach in the men's game? No. It wasn't at all. It, it wasn't even a, uh, it's funny because when I mentioned this story, it wasn't even a goal of mine to even coach. Mm -hmm. I, I, I never really wanted to coach. Um, it was something I fought for years and it kind of just became like a purpose and a calling. And along that journey, I've always taken paths just to grow. And, you know, I ended up on the men's side and I, it's just absolutely where I feel at home at. And I just absolutely love the men's game. You didn't mention this, but I mean, can you talk even about your experiences prior to this? Because coaching there at Maine, that wasn't the first time that you coached men. You did some coaching a little bit before that, right? Yeah, I mean, I started coaching boys probably when I was playing in the WNBA. Um, when I, when, when I came back from overseas in the off season and I didn't play in WNBA um, in Portland, Oregon, I was an AAU um, coach for a program um, named Team Concept under my former college coach, Michael Abraham. And that's 
you know, my foundation of coaching boys. I mean, I was coaching 14U, 15U. Um, we were having tournaments. I had them in the backyard doing skill development, small group stuff. And then kind of, and I was doing um, girls at that time too. I mean, we, we had stellar girls programs. I mean, I was coaching kids that, you know, were going on to Stanford, Tennessee, you know, like big time players. And, you know, my love just kind of naturally organically grew from there. And from there, um, I was still playing. So it was kind of like a hobby, you know, big sister, comeback role model. And it kind of grew on me. And uh, when I retired, um, I didn't take the normal route because I didn't get a job right away. Um, coaching what I thought at the beginning, I was going to be a longtime women's basketball coach. Um, I ended up having to go abroad. So I went to Israel, China, and Vietnam. I left America again to pursue my coaching career. And over there, I coached both men's um, and women's basketball and also at the youth level. And then kind of that's where my transition to college um, happened with uh, Coach Barron. I mean, we had a great friend in um, Gannon Baker and Gannon said, hey, Basically, it's this chick hanging out in Vietnam who's an awesome player development and scout and just person. And, you know, you should get on a Skype with her and uh, um, see what see what happens. And we got on a Skype call and, you know, 27 hours later, I'm in his front yard at a, you know, Lobster Fest event. Um, and I started my career coaching women's basketball like that. And you know, I did that for two seasons with him. We won championships and, you know, had had great, I had a great time. I loved it. And it was about the time um, Coach Barron took a hiatus um, to deal with his health issues. And I needed a break um, because my father um, was battling cancer and I wanted to have more flexibility to go home and travel and be with him more. And I took a break. And during that break, I became a high school teacher slash um, um, athletic director. And during that time, I end up connecting with a former WNBA player, Rusha Brown, and she connected me with the NBA assistant coaches program. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm at the combine, you know, people are calling me, they're like, yo, is that you on TV in the draft combine <laughs> coaching? And I'm like, uh -huh. yeah. And you know, me and Coach Barron, you know, we're really good friends. Um, and uh, during that whole process of me, him and his hiatus taking care of his health and me, you know, in transition, um, we kept in touch and he got the job at Maine. And I was so excited, you know, because he fought through a, his brain surgery and all that. And I was like, hey, coach, congratulations. I'm so proud of you. I know you didn't want to leave Maine, you know, your family. And I just hung up and, you know went back to, you know, teaching my health class. And literally the next day, you know, he was like, hey, co hey, Eddie, you want to be on my staff? And that's yeah. how I became a men's basketball coach. That's awesome. I, I personally feel that because of, of that background, I mean, there's literally no one at your level who's had that kind of path. Do you feel, do you view that as an, as an advantage? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a definite advantage. Um, you know, I always tell young people, you know, make sure that, you know, you coach at every level. It, it, I think it's made me a phenomenal coach because I've had to coach five-year-olds for a year, six-year-olds. You know, I had to go up through the development process, which is 
it's different in America. There's really no coaching development pathway that you have to, you know, um, do, you know, if you want to be a JV coach and you have a relationship, you know, you could just be a JV coach right away. Um, I couldn't do that when I was coaching in Europe, you know, I had to, you know, earn my stripes through the pathway program. And that's, you know, broadened my perspective as a coach and just globally, you know, with recruits and, you know, just understanding and seeing different types of basketball and just being around different basketball minds has, has helped me tremendously. Your responsibilities there at Maine, what, what all do you do there? Um, well, at Maine, our staff is, uh, you know, we all do everything. Um, I'm in charge of the video and technology. Um, we, I do recruiting, you know, um, I lead practices sometimes, you know, um, and I am in charge of all the point guards. So this season I'm in charge of, you know, our eight new small guards and um, point guards, so our ones and twos. But at Maine, we don't have a um, specialized uh, coaching staff. There, we don't have titles. It's no, you're a recruiting coordinator, you're a video coordinator. We're all coaches and we all step in. And Coach Barron um, does a staff like that. So we're all ready to be a head coach. We all have responsibilities that a head coach would have. And, you know, throughout our process of working with him, he adds more and more to our plate. So when we do have our interview, we can actually say um, that we've done things like that. And I don't know if you um, were on the last podcast, but for example, he used me. Um, I get a 17,000 technology budget to manage. You know, I know people are like 17 grand. That's not a lot, but you can do a lot with that when it comes to technology and relationships yeah. for um, your student athletes. But like he said, you know, that's a question that I won't get stumped on if the AD asks, have you ever handled a budget, you know, for an athletic department? And I could say yes. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, I, I saw Coach even was talking some, has talked about your ability um, for the, the scouting components and the technology, how you integrate that and uh, the player development. We've talked several times on this podcast about scouting but we haven't really gone into kind of the self-scout idea. And so I kind of wanted to, to ask you some questions to go along with that. Um, you know, are, are those are those like normal scouting reports that you do? Or is it just breaking down games and practices and taking notes for practice planning? What, what does that look like? Um, self-scouting for me is, uh, you know, and for our program, what I'm doing, it's about lessons learned. Um, it's a term that, you know, my mentor, Butch Carter, always talking about talks about you learn more from mistakes and, and failures. So when I'm doing a self-scout, you know, I'm looking at all the things from fundamental footwork, fundamentals on passing. I'm really breaking down all the reasons why we weren't efficient. You know, I'm not looking at the play. I'm looking at all, you know, most people call it the micro skills um, mm -hmm. that led to us not being efficient or, or not scoring a basket or a player having a turnover. Um, I'm looking at it from the standpoint on the defensive end too. So it's, it's really, um, it's a lot of film work. Um, and it's also based on, I'm always, as a coach, you um, always want to do everything based on the top four teams in your conference. Um, so everything is to get main 
and Maine's players to competitively competitively be able to compete with the top four teams in our conference, mm -hmm. you know, consistently. So my point guards, I'm looking at, okay, what are the point guards doing on the top four teams and how are we competing one-on-one -on -one defensively and offensively? And that's kind of how I'm breaking down all of our summer player development, you know, um, how we do film work, what film work I'm giving them, because it's, it's no use um, mentally to give players or, or focus on the bottom half, you know, of, of a conference. Well, on the bottom half of a conference, and I understand that. Um, but to give players consistently that film, they're not going to get better. You know, they're going to look at film like, uh, we already beat them. Uh, I already dragged him, you know. So you, you have to find ways to um, individually and, you know, team-wise team, team -wise really motivate them so that's what self-scouting is for me. Right now, Huddle is offering real COVID-19 relief for entire athletic departments with the Return to Play program. The program includes subscriptions for every program, as well as a free upgrade to have Huddle Assist and Huddle Focus, the smart camera that automatically records and uploads your games, and the ability for parents and fans to watch your live streams for free, all at your current subscription price. For basketball coaches, that means you get the smart camera for your gym, which automatically records your home games, with the flexibility to record any practices or drills you want with the push of a button. You also get Huddle Assist. That means full game breakdowns, including full team and player stats in less than 24 hours, so your stats are ready when you need them. Leverage interactive reports and advanced stats like shot charts or lineup data to coach smarter. Want to see how Huddle can help you dominate this season? Visit Huddle.com. That's huddle.com to learn more. How, how does the information from those self-scouts impact what you do practically in player development? Like you talked in general, kind of it, it really helps you focus in player development. So what are the things that you typically find during those self-scouts that, yeah, we need to do this now in our player development, and this is what it looks like in a practice session? Yeah, you know, it's honestly, you know, I keep things really, really simple. Um, you can, you know, if you ever had a chance to talk to our players, I don't do the complex things. You know, I'm not jumping through hula hoops, you know, and doing a thousand dribble moves. Like I, I cap things off because it, I make everything game like. And it, it's really, if say, you know, um, Coach Barron loves Princeton type motion offenses. So, if we're running a set and I'll use one of our flip, um, favorite sets, we'll use a Florida point series set. You know, if we're running that set and I'm looking at the efficiency of it, I'm like, why can't he make that play? <laughs> I see it. Why can't he make the play? I, I can see it before he can see it. And then I'm looking at myself and self-scouts for me is also critiquing myself as a coach. What am I not communicating? What am I not giving to my, our players for them to be confident, to be able to make those plays. So in that self-scout, I'm making sure that I'm relaying information to the players, but also asking the right questions to pull the why out of them. Because sometimes players don't know why. They're just like, I don't know, coach. I just can't make the play. They get frustrated, you know. Um, they look at the bigger picture, and the bigger picture is I just didn't score the basket or, you know, I didn't make the right play, you know, pass or something. But they're not looking like, I, okay, why? You know, and I, you know, in that self-scout, it's digging deeper to that why and having those internal 
relationship conversations with them. And then now they're like, they can look at film and like, oh, that was an awful footwork. You know, when you start seeing players, like when you look footwork bad and they're taking notes, then you're like, that's it. So then when we go to our player development, it's easy for me to say, you know what, we're working on this footwork because we missed six easy points in the game just because of this. And then now they're all bought in because they see it. And now they feel like, okay, if I do this, we're going to be a better team, but also I'm going to be a better player. This may not seem related, but just hearing you talk, I think people that are more experienced will understand where I'm coming from with this. Being a male, I'm out there just throwing them through drills, especially when I was younger. I'm, I'm just drilling them, drilling them, drilling them. And I've already heard you use the word relationship with them. Um asking them questions, interacting. I know more seasoned coaches, male or female, would do that. I don't feel like that's something that's natural as a male when, when I start out. And so I'm going to ask you this. Have, having played on the women's side, being a woman, how, how? and I'm asking this for a male, like what, what kinds of things should I be thinking through or doing differently? And you have the experience, too, that you're right alongside men so you're observing them coaching and, and you don't have to call anybody out but have you ever seen something and you're like dude that's not going to work yeah i have are there things what can what are some of the maybe a couple of those things that we should should be more alert to as men i think it's just the the patience i i see like um it's just you guys you know you're like competitive drive is just sure. different you know sure. um and it, it's like the frustration level. It's hilarious to me. And I'm like, you, when you guys get on like a path, it's like, dude, I'm going to drill this into you and you're going to get it and you're not going to leave the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there like, okay, okay, first of all, mentally, this cat's not going to get it. Skill wise, <laughs> he got about a month away. And, you know, uh, and, you know, the easiest way I can do it, um, say it without, you know, offending anybody or making anybody feel any type of way. Um, I have a 14 year old brother and he has been struggling with shooting and I'm like, okay, like, and it's really had messed up his confidence. And this whole off season, you know, we've worked on the fundamentals of shooting, going back to the form shooting, um, sitting on trash cans, lifting up, jump, like all the, the basics at one handed shots. And I asked him one time, you know, why, you know, what do you like about um, me coaching versus the, the um, guys that you had coaching all good coaches, all different, you know, and he's like, for one, you don't yell and you don't have an expectation. Hmm. He's like, you always say, I'm going to eventually get it. My body's going to eventually catch up. My mind is going to eventually catch up. And I think that's hard for any coach sometimes, especially when you can't just go in the backyard and kind of enjoy the flow. Yeah. You have donors, you have, you know, media, you have the community, you have wins and losses. You have all this pressure now that comes with basketball. It has driven coaches more to just almost forget that relationship piece now and just be driving performance, performance, performance. And it takes an aha moment or a bad situation with a player where a coach looks back like, you know what, I really messed it up yeah. to 
go back and say, okay, let's start from the beginning and then just work our way up. Cause they yeah. get there eventually. Some players get it right away. Some players are like, okay. And especially the pressure of recruiting, you know, you recruit this talent and you see it, but then, you know, every maturation process takes time. You know, they're going from high school, they're getting breakfast, lunch and dinner from mom and dad and guardians. And then now they have to wake up, go to the calf, you know, and do all of this. And then the pressure of, you know, college, it, it's a lot. And I think sometimes coaches, we don't allow ourselves to enjoy the process. And I think, you know, I've seen that a lot, even before games, I've seen pre-game work, work warmups and workouts. I'm like, wow, that coach looks super stressed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So I too, I want to also draw on that experience of you working at the combine and then the G league, what, what, what those experiences, how have those helped you in regards to either the player development or the scouting or both? You know, it's, it's about prep work. You know, when I'm doing my professional development with the NBA, it's long hours. <laughs> um, I mean, we can be up at six in the morning to like 11 o'clock at night, you know, from coaches meetings to coaching on the court to after court professional development. It, it, but it, you know, you it's about prep work at that level, you know, being organized, but being simple. It's not about, you know, going out and, and a workout, giving a kid a step back, a between the legs, a behind the back, you know, a twisting floater or whatever, you know, every workout is intentional and it's all based on film study. I tell coaches, study film. That's where you're gonna become the better, the best coach you can be. Take time a day and just look at film. And, you know, I was able to bring that mindset, you know, to Maine and just our, you know, when I'm working with our guards, it's very simple. You know, if from last season, if we needed to become better off of pin down screens and reads, then that's all we're going to work on because nothing else matters because every time we do the pin down reads and things in our offense, we're not ever going to be efficient as a team because just like I watch film, some other coach is going to watch film and say, you know what, on every pin down screen, for example, jam them up, be physical. The play is busted. If I'm not going back and looking at those simple things and adding that again to my player development and just learn, learning from self-scout, then I'm failing, you know, not only myself as a coach, but really my players. And I always say um, the best coaches take accountability for their players' failures. Um, yeah. it's not always you, you, you didn't do this. You know, the best coaches look within first and then they communicate and teach later. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. We had Gannon Baker on this past fall and it's, it's my family. So, yeah. That's so you hear the same kinds of things and, and even the, the simplicity of the workouts and, you know, I've seen him go through workouts at different clinics and it, you sit there and you're like, man, this isn't anything special, but I think the, the complexity is in the simplicity of it. Like it that, is. That, that is what makes things work. Um, yeah. So I would encourage go back and listen. If you, if you didn't listen to that, I think it was like last October or something like that. Um, as we kind of like wind down here, uh, uh, your aspirations for the future are what? Oh, I want to be a division one men's basketball coach. Okay. Yeah. Head, yeah. head coach. Head do coach. you, do you have any, I mean, let's say that it was, you know, this is way out there, but, if the Oregon women's team 
have a spot <laughs> open up. I mean, do you have any or or do you like you're really set on staying in the men's game? I really love the men's game. I would never. And Kelly's going to be there. Coach Graves mm-hmm. is going to be there until yeah. he's like 75. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have a chain on the bench. Yeah. He's never leaving. Coach Graves is awesome. Yeah. yeah you know, um, I love women's basketball and I love it even. I, I'll never stop loving it. But it's awesome now <clears throat> because I have no restrictions. <laughs> Yeah. to communicate with young women's players. Um, I, you know, I don't have to worry about NCAA rules. So it's, it's nice to go to a practice. It's nice to, you know, go to a local high school game and I'm not breaking rules or violating violations. You know, I get high school coaches and teams and even women's coaches who, um, just call me and say, Hey, talk to my team, you know, come watch my practice. And it's no competition. And it's just, it's just an awesome feeling to be in my position doing what I love, but I still get to um, give back to the women's game, to the players, to the coaches, um, but just in a different aspect. I'll always love women's basketball, but, you know, I think throughout my journey and my path, um, my purpose has led me um, to men's basketball and and creating more opportunities for other women and encouraging other women and not only women, just encouraging um, men's staff and decision makers um, to look at, you know, their staff and their hiring different. I'm going to step outside of this podcast and me being the person that hosts this podcast. I, I teach at the college level and I'm talking, I'm the head of a program there and I, I talk and advise students and I'm advising a lot of my female, you know, students and what they want to do long-term how can we see more women involved in the men's game? I mean, what kind of advice do you have for them? What kind of advice do you have for the men in the decision-making process? Um, you know, you can use this to you know, toot your own horn or whatever right now. Like what, what, what needs to be done for us to, for, let's just go from the women's perspective, for them to see somebody like you and to say, I can do that. Or what do I need to do in order to be where she is right now? You know what? It, it's, Honestly, you know, a lot of, I will say this, you can't care what people think about you, you know, and I think a a lot of, you know, young girls and, and, and young women, you know, are so worried about how it's going to look, you know, whatever decision you make, go for it. You know, if right now you can be a boys basketball coach, take that job. And then also, do not be afraid to pick up the phone, email, or call a men's coach. Doesn't matter. Send an email. Hey, coach, I just want to come to your practice. You know, you're learning, you're building those relationships organically. You know, apply for those jobs. Send an email and let them know hey, I want to be a men's basketball coach. You know, if you ever are thinking about, you know, hiring, you know, a woman on your staff, hey, here's my resume. Keep an eye out. I think um, when you when you decide to get on this path, I've done a good job of putting myself out there, you know, boldly, you know, whether people like it or not. Um, but I put myself out there and I put my posi- myself in position to be next to, you know, men's coaches at all levels, you know, working beside them, with them um, and, and learning and growing. I think that's the only way to do it. Um, and you know, to all the decision makers and, you know, head coaches, you know, that are thinking about it. And I know they are because I've gotten like 
four head coaches who have asked for um, resumes for women. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping in the near future that, you know, I won't be the only one. I know it's coming, but, you know, reach out to me, you know, I would say reach out to coach Barron, you know, come if, if you're having hesitancy of how it looks, come to our practices, you know, watch it, see, you know, see the, um, the flow of it and see how it works for you. I think, you know, the more you get, they get comfortable with it, the more that it's put in front of them, the more that, you know, these young women and young girls build these relationships. And, you know, for me, my relationship with um, men's and boys coaches started, you know, you guys, like it started what, 24 years ago. So this is not just like I started, like I started this comfort um, level in this um, process, you know, 20 years in the making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll echo something that you said before that. I mean, I've even learned from this podcast, the worst thing when you ask somebody is for them to say no, and it doesn't really hurt that bad. But what you end up with is that a lot of people will say yes, or they're willing to say yes. And you end up, in my case, meeting some incredible people. And you are one of those incredible people. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning and for working with me, even though at one point I asked you to wake up at 530 in the morning on accident. But we've got it all worked out. So thank you for coming on the show, Coach. Thank you. Stay safe. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.